Hey everybody, welcome back to We Are Movies. As always, I'm Johnny Mockney, uh, and if you're a regular listener to this podcast, I have a very special episode for you today. One of the best films from last year, 2022, was a documentary called Bad Axe. Bad Axe is a wonderful, moving film about telling a really simple story about uh, an Asian-American family running um, a restaurant in Bad Axe, Michigan at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic back in 2020. Uh, It premiered at South by Southwest last year in March and got a wide release near the end of the year. I was lucky enough to go see it in the theater. I have my mother to thank for uh, making me privy to the film. And uh, if you know me, you know that this is a film that's just very close to my heart. Uh, spoke to me in a lot of ways. Uh, felt like a very personal experience uh, for me as well. And um, I was lucky enough as the host of this podcast. And uh, honestly, you know, it stays like this. I really feel uh, just incredibly lucky uh, uh, for what I get to do because I got to speak with the director of the film, the man behind the camera and occasionally in front of the camera, David Sieve, who is also a member of the family that the film is about. So obviously it's a labor of love on his part. And, um, you know, he's currently in the midst of doing a lot of interviews and campaigning. Uh, The film recently made the Academy shortlists uh, for the Oscars this year. So I'm rooting for it, of course. Um, It's already won uh, a couple of awards, and I'm just hoping it goes on to win more. Um, it deserves that much recognition, and uh, also, um, luckily, and I mean, I say obviously and very justifiably, it has uh, garnered a lot of uh, widespread acclaim at this point already. Um, so David was really generous to take some time out of his schedule amidst all the other interviews he was doing uh, to sit down with me in this podcast and uh, discuss the film, um, his background as a filmmaker, his family, his family history, um, and uh, also cover some very serious grounds uh, about race and some of the other difficult topics that um, are prevalent in the film and uh, just beg to be talked about when you're discussing a movie as rich as Bad Axe. So um, I'm very grateful to David for his time. And without any further ado, please enjoy this uh, very educational episode of We Are Movies. Are you still kind of in the midst of the press tour stuff or are you at the end of that? It's like, uh, we're in this like next phase now where, uh, you know, after making the shortlist, um, it's just like crazy campaigning. So (laughs) for this past weekend, I was in Europe for a very short trip with my wife and um, tomorrow, I'm in New York right now. I go to San Francisco, have to come back to New York and then go back to LA all like the next like five days. So, oh my gosh. Yep. So you caught me on a good day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the shortlist. Thank by you. The way, thank of you. Course. Very exciting. Uh, yeah. I'm rooting for you for sure. I, I, um, how's that been in general? Like what's that experience been like oh my gosh. <laughs> all the I mean, back-to-back flights and stuff? Oh, it's, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tiring and exhausting, but at the same time, like it's, you're just bodies running on adrenaline because, um, sure. 
uh, how exciting is it to um, have have made a film and, and come this far? So I'm not complaining at all. I'm I'm all, like very happy to do it, and I'm very grateful for it, and uh, don't want to take any of it for granted. So it's it's an exciting time. Good, yeah, I'm glad. Uh, and I mean, you uh, you are a filmmaker. You you've obviously you know, even though I, I kind of read a bit about how maybe this movie in particular didn't start off with the intention of being a film. But uh, I, I wanted to know as a filmmaker, as far back as you can remember, where do you, where does that bug come from? Where do you think it started for you wanting to go that direction? Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if it necessarily started with wanting to be a, a filmmaker, but um, I, I think this bug of, of getting into um I guess like creative endeavor and and uh, getting into the arts um, stemmed a lot from my love for for music. Um, okay. Back when I was uh, a teenager, picked up a guitar and uh, just fell in love with that form of storytelling, which was songwriting. I I got really into punk rock music and nice. um, uh, just really appreciated. Um, being able to to tell stories through through songwriting so i think that's where the, the bug really came from but my dad actually he's always been a storyteller in, in the sense where um he's always shared his stories of surviving cambodia and everything he's had to go through to to make it in this country i've been very fortunate that to have a father to speak so openly about those stories and, and to make sure they get passed on um so I, I feel like storytelling was always kind of naturally uh, in my blood and, and something I wanted to pursue. And it wasn't until I went to, to college and, and went to film school where I think I discovered uh, that filmmaking was another form of storytelling like songwriting that I just became very obsessive about and wanted to find a way to do that as, as a career. Okay. Uh, do you remember in film school any particular films or filmmakers that stuck out to you at that time that gave you inspiration? I mean, I, I feel like every filmmaker will say this director, but it, it was, for me, it was Martin Scorsese. And oh, yeah. I remember in one of the early film classes watching the Goodfellas and I was aware of Goodfellas before then, but I don't think I've ever actually sat down and watched the entire thing. And it was a freshman year and they were teaching us about the Copacabana sequence where yeah. Henry Hill and the camera moves through the entire restaurant. And I just fell in love and thought that was such a, an expressive way to say so much in such a short scene, but also doing it in in a fantastic way that where something really wasn't done before. And I think that's where I really began to fall in love with his movies and just had to go and start looking at everything else he did. And then, you know, from there you discover other directors, other filmmakers, but yeah, for me, it started with, uh, I think Goodfellas watching that in film school. I think that opened up uh, my world in a way. I, I can see how, especially coming into it, being into music, you know, a few directors use music as well as Scorsese does too, when he uses source music. Yeah. And and I'm sure like going into that, it was 
this amazing sort of amalgamation of all the art forms, music included. And, you know, that scene in particular with the, and then he kissed me. I'm sure that was probably, that blew your mind. Yeah. So. No, that's, that's exactly what it is. Cause he, he uses music in, in such, especially needle drops in such a, a fantastic way. And, uh, and then he kissed me. is like actually one of my favorite songs now oh. <laughs> uh, because it just evokes like just bringing me back to that memory of, of, I think when I started to really fall in love with filmmaking. Um, but as a musician myself, yeah, music is, has been very important to the form of storytelling. I, I feel like for me, they they go hand in hand with one another. And I, I think a lot of filmmakers would probably say the same exact thing. And with Bad Axe, you know, that's why uh, coming up with the, the score and the soundtrack, Morgan, my composer, we work very closely with each other because music just has a way of being able to do so much with, with the scene and storytelling. And as far as, you know, helping to, to guide the emotions and um or or just emphasizing an emotion you know what i mean so it, music yeah. for me is is incredibly important in, in filmmaking i think and i think always will be yeah yeah no i felt i i've definitely felt that way watching the movie too where it's like uh there's sort of a lack of editorializing on your part but the emotions being translated are very clear a lot of the time obviously there's some editorializing on the the participants yeah, yeah. Parts. <laughs> uh uh but yeah, I, I I was wondering. Um, uh, also, you know, you talk in the film about how uh, you made an early short film based on your uh, your dad's experiences in Cambodia. Mm -hmm. um, was it always something in your mind, specifically with these stories he was telling you that you always would you say was that was a big source of your creative inspiration? Was the things you had heard? Absolutely. Yes. Like I mentioned, my dad always shared his stories of Cambodia with me uh, from the time I was a, a little boy to, to even now, I still am learning more stories. And the more I learn about his stories, it really helps me, I think, connect with my own identity of, of being Cambodian. And um, it's my way of really wanting to connect with that part of, of who I am and finding my identity. And that's why his stories I've always been drawn to. And I, I feel this responsibility um, and proudly to, to make sure his stories continue to live on and uh, continue to be passed from one generation to the next. And Bad Axe was, was no exception to that. It's, it's still a part of his story and I, in our family's story. So I will say that, yeah, the, his stories of, of surviving Cambodia and the killing fields have, have always inspired me and will continue to throughout my career. Yeah. On top of that, I think that one of the things that stands about, out about your film is, I mean, everybody, obviously, most people love their families and most people are fascinated with the personalities yeah. in their families. But uh, there's something about, you know, a lot of the members of your family that they really come off the screen and they're, uh, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but they're great characters as well. They're great. Like they all, uh, right. you know, that you, you, it's really easy to get to know them very quickly. Um, was that something growing up in your family? Was that something you thought about a lot? Was did, did it always kind of occur to you early on that there was something about your family in particular that you um, that you thought was worthy of something uh, like a film, just in your regular dynamic? No, absolutely. There, there always was, uh, and I've said this, you know, in, in previous interviews that I've I've always wanted to share my family story 
well before I even picked up the camera and started making bad acts. Because mm. when I look at, you know, what my parents were able to accomplish, my mom being a Mexican American woman, my dad, obviously with his incredible story, they decide of all places to pursue their American dream in Bad Axe, Michigan. And against all odds and all adversities and the struggles they've had to overcome, they did it. it for yeah. me, they are the epitome of the American dream. So I always knew that that was a story I wanted to share. I just didn't know that it would end up unfolding in the form of documentary filmmaking with 2020 being the backdrop and everything that went on that year. So yeah, it was something right. I always wanted to to pursue and it just happened to uh, unfold and what I was doing when I was just spending these hours documenting those early days of, of the pandemic. Yeah, I... Um... I would be remiss if I didn't mention my mom, uh, first of all, which who is a big reason why I saw this film. Uh, she, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, my mom, Sopa, she saw it first. Uh, she watched it on uh, streaming and she texted me about it and said, you need to see this movie, Bad Axe. And the first thing she said to me is, it's about Asian Americans in Michigan. And uh, that was my first, you know, because we're Asian Americans in Michigan. And so I, I was like, that's such a wonderfully specific thing. I definitely have to see it. And I went to um, Celebration Cinema and saw it in the theater here. Oh, amazing. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it was great. So I saw it with an audience and everything and on the big screen. And um, it uh, it was fascinating. Like, I. Uh, you know, I was, I grew up in Michigan and then we moved around a lot. And for me personally, I felt like the first time I ever uh, really became aware of my, my identity in terms of my race was in uh, Mississippi. We were in the small town of Mississippi and there were not very many Asians there at all. Uh, so I guess I was wondering for you, you talked a bit earlier there about, um, you know, uh, learning more about your identity through, you know, your dad's experiences and, and your family. Uh, was there a time for you where you think you really started to, it's really started to click with you, the things that you thought uh, maybe made you different from the people around you? Uh, anything like that? Yeah, for, for me, I think it took moving away from Bad Axe. And when I was able to, to go to school at the University of Michigan and move to Ann Arbor, you start to meet other people for the first time that look like you and um, their parents might also be immigrants and you start to share these experiences and it really gives you perspective when you begin to look back at where you came from and how different your experience is compared to everyone in your community. So I, I think that was sort of the, um, the genesis of going down that road of exploration and being, we start asking questions, you know, um, why was it that I always felt different? Why did I always feel the need to assimilate in, in my community and, and fit in? You, you start asking those, you don't really ask those questions growing up because I think you're so focused on fitting in and, just trying to be a, a part of, of your community. But then when you're able to start asking questions and being able to take a step back and have that perspective, um, I think that's, you know, when I going to college was, was my first uh, 
step in doing that. And then especially when I, you know, moving away to Los Angeles and, and living there for about four or five years, right? Um, that's also a completely different world. And, and you begin to ask questions about your own upbringing and you begin to realize that so much of um, well, what you've experienced as a small town kid growing up in a very white community that that your experiences are, are different and they matter and you have to be able to to speak about that and and you should question it that's that's i think that's the the beauty of what bad x does in in so many ways is it, it challenges these stereotypes and um and it, and it presents a, a lot of these questions that i think my siblings and i have have sort of had you know growing up and we didn't realize we did until uh coming back home yeah i I was gonna say one of my biggest takeaways from the movie is that you know even though it is a it's a very specific situation uh that Mm -hmm. your family's in there's so many things about your dynamic that's so universal uh there's a lot about your dad that reminded me of most midwestern fathers that i've met you know there's a lot of yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and and your mother as well. And, uh, and, and so, you know, there's a lot of it that kind of reminded me of the typical Midwestern family, no matter what color they are. And uh, I, I was wondering, filming the movie in the process, was this, was there anything running in your head of what you wanted the major takeaways of the film to be? Or was that something that just kind of came about later? No, I, I think there was always a, a major a major takeaway. And and I think this even goes back to when I was talking about wanting always wanting to share my family's story, because I think that drive for wanting to share our story stems from wanting to open up this dialogue about what it means to be American and what the American experience is. Um I, it means the, the feedback that you just gave that's what means like so much to me it it fulfills me in so many ways because when people do look at our family and and some people who may have categorized us as as you know being the other and um not thinking of us as what an american family is the reality is is that i think we're more alike than we are different and when people watch this regardless of their background I hope they find a way of connecting with us because at the end of the day, our experiences of being in bad acts and going through 2020 and, and everything that was that happened that year, it's part of the American experience. Um, right. And and to me, that, that message was always something I think I wanted to make sure was came through and was explored and either in any way that I would tell my family's story. So the fact that that is one of the takeaways and it, and it seems to really be resonating with audiences of, of all political backgrounds and, and communities, it, it means a lot because that means people are not just looking at us as, oh, they're an Asian American family, they're a refugee family. Because it's it, sure we are those, but at the end of the day, like we're also an American family too. 
I'm Mike. And I'm Allison. We've both been guests on We Are Movies before. We love talking movies with Johnny. But I'm a jealous boy. You are. That's why we've decided to talk movies with, with each, each other. other. We started our own podcast called You, you Made, Made Me, Me Watch. Watch. Each week we make each other watch a movie the other has never seen. You Made Me Watch. New episodes every Friday. Uh, obviously, you know, watching it, it's inevitable that in this situation, you know, it, certain scenes get very political. Uh, sure. And uh, the opening scene of the movie is this, you know, sort of heartbreaking letter uh, that your sister's reading, um, you know, where the, it, it's sort of that typical, uh, one of the most common forms of American xenophobia is this, uh, sure. well, why would you come to our country if you want to make it more like your country? That's so, why would you come here if you want to change right. it? Right. right. And uh, there's something your dad says later in the movie, and, and I'm not, you know, um, I don't want to misquote him, but he he does, he says something to the effect of, uh, you know, the things that I love about America is the America that welcomed me here. And that's, and the hatred that we're seeing is what I escaped in Cambodia. Right. And that's such, does such a beautiful job of kind of flipping that argument on its head a little bit. And I guess I was wondering, was there always something, uh, the, the way that, you know, he articulates that argument is so poignant. Was there something in, in your uh, family and the way you all talked to each other where these discussions were common? Or was this kind of a very, um, this being confronted with a specific situation kind of brought it out of all of you? I, I think it's, it's something we've all thought about in our own individual ways. And I think with the making of this film, it's sort of forced us just, especially with everything that was going on in our country, it's it made us talk about it together and, and really just bring everything head on. And I think that's what was really productive within our family was, was being able to talk about these issues together and have our own opinions on it, but also realize that I, I think we all sort of feel the same way at the end. So yeah, I, I, you know, my family, we've always been comfortable talking about really difficult subjects. I, I think with everything that happened um, during the pandemic, um, so many families and, and not even including, you know, I mean, including my own, but, but uh, beyond that, had to talk about these difficult issues together um, because we were you know, a lot of families were quarantined together. So we had to be able to have these really hard discussions. And, and I think our family was, was another family that was going through that. Yeah. Um, and another case, obviously, where that universe universality kind of yeah. comes in, right. Or everybody Absolutely. was home with family yeah. uh, for that time. Um, so obviously, you know, the documentary, you know, spends so much time at home. And then obviously you, you know, you go to a Black Lives Matter protest and uh, the documentary sort of takes on this new form about, it's not just about your family. It's also obviously due to the title. It's, it's about bad acts as well. I was wondering at one point, what point in the production of this film, did you kind of discover the narrative? Was it during the filming aspect? Was it during editing? When did it kind of click with you what this movie was going to be? It was it was always evolving, to be honest. I mean, I, I don't know if there was like a, a one moment where it's just like a light bulb clicked and everything made sense. But I will say one moment in particular where I think the narrative started to become more clear than ever was actually after the Black Lives Matter movement, where you, you see a family who is trying to 
use their voice for something they believe in for the first time. And it, it's a very powerful moment that's going on everywhere in the United States. But then for our families, there's, there's certain consequences that take place after that, where we begin to become questioned about our place in our community and that we should be thankful to even be here and people, you know, community members turning their their backs on us. It, it was really one of those moments where I think I, I realized that the American, the concept of the American dream was just being challenged um, in a way and under circumstances that it never was before. So, you know, following the Black Lives Matter protests, the, you do see it's the film starts to open up and um, you feel this external force of, of the community and how does a family react to this and how do they stay together um, to to share their story and to and to use their voice so it, it was it was constantly evolving and by the time we were really editing you know in 2021 I think it had I think it helped a lot to have that perspective of, of a of living through this and having a year pass and then being deep in the edit because for me I began to realize that there was this larger story you know, obviously it's my family story, but there's, there's this larger story about not only bad X, but about America that is unfolding within our family's story. Yeah. Uh, the, the, a big takeaway watching it was that sort of this, this upsetting kind of heartbreaking attitude coming from some people in the community over you know people who had enjoyed the food who had uh, been regulars at the restaurant who um now didn't appreciate you know just your family taking a stance on something and uh you know exercising your own free speech um it was uh, and obviously this is an interview of me but something i connected to was uh when we when we lived in mississippi too my mom had a restaurant a thai restaurant there oh, wow. uh, called the green mango and, and it was it was really it was very popular there wasn't anything like that in that town uh and and i was a busboy there and everything uh but there was definitely sort of a confusion i had sometimes where it was like when i would get called names and stuff by sure. other kids i didn't i couldn't rationalize in my head well how can you enjoy this thing that we're giving you and still not respect me as an individual right, right. um was that a question that was kind of always prevalent in your mind or was it kind of something that was born out of the documentary um. I think it was a question that that was always um that was always there in my mind but I don't I don't think it's something I really began to question like I mentioned and, until I, I moved away and I began to have this realization that you know the, the microaggressions you, you face in a community of this and, and the racism um that the problem is it was never me right i mean I, I remember growing up in school and people would would call you you know you know I me mean, jackie chan and right and, or ching chong or just like <laughs> incredibly like racist things and you would feel so embarrassed about it yeah. because as as a as a kid yeah like why would you not feel embarrassed about it but then as an adult you're like wait like 
that wasn't right. Like, why was I, why was I the one feeling so little from that? I mean, if anything, like, uh, you should be feeling that way, you know? So it's, it's, it's interesting because you, you, you notice it as, as a child, at least I did, but you try to ignore it. You try, you try to bury it. uh, But, um, but for me, those, those questions, they caught up with me uh well after i moved away from bad x and um and 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 i'm grateful for that and and i think what's interesting you know uh, for austin you know one of my really good friends and and my sister's boyfriend um he's he's someone who's always lived in in bad x and um and during the the course of, of 2020, you know, you see in the film how uncomfortable he is to talk about his blackness, and and it's it's really interesting because um, I I do wonder, you know, had he moved away from Bad X, would he begin to have asked these questions sooner? And obviously, you know, he he can ask him at his own pace, and and I'm very proud that he's now beginning to ask these questions and and feeling more comfortable talking about it so i think you know we're all on on a different journey of of when we begin to have these difficult uh conversations like within ourselves and with other people yeah definitely and I, and I love that section of the movie too where it's kind of once again the movie kind of becomes about something greater it's not just about uh the specific issue with your family but you're finding kind of the universality in it and and how he talks about his blackness as well you know uh compared to how everybody in the movie is addressing right. their identity um i i i was wondering and, and obviously stop me if this is too personal a question but i guess this is kind of reflecting from my own experiences mm-hmm. uh was there ever a period of time you know where due to the you know the way you retreated early on before maybe before you moved to Ann Arbor and before you maybe got a more sort of worldly mindset from some people was there ever a time where you kind of felt shame in your identity where you kind of wished you this is maybe a crude way to put it but almost like wished you were white or anything like that or yeah I, I, I think that's part of what what assimilating is right I mean yeah you might not think of it directly in in that way but yeah I, I remember like something as silly as I, I I used to um for lunch I remember being a kid and I would bring like what white rice and it's it's this um like dried shredded like pork um yeah. bought young but it's basically dry shredded pork and and i remember the first time bringing that to school uh kids would you know they would like laugh at it and like um uh say like that's that's so weird to eat um and eventually i i stopped i stopped bringing it and uh you know i think that's just an example um you know where we try to we try to hide part of what we are and and just try to to fit in um so yeah i i think so i think it, that's just like one example and i'm sure there there's other ways i i, I would have to think about but yeah I, I think i think that's part of what it what it means to assimilate um is to try to hide a part of, of who you are and your identity in order to fit in you know, with, with the community at large. And in my case, a, a very, uh, white community. Right. Yeah. Um, was there, besides your parents, obviously, who, uh, 
are obviously great role models. Uh, was there any, uh, were there any role models that you saw like in the media or in history or anything as well that uh, made you more comfortable or proud of your identity? Ooh, that's, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, there's, there's not a lot of, of Southeast Asians and specifically <laughs> Cambodians uh, to have really looked up to as, as a kid. Um, having said that, you know, I feel like that, that sort of changes as, as an adult and, mm -hmm. um, it's not like something in particular I, I look up to, but I, I just get so proud when I see AAPI representation happening in, in the media. I, I feel like the people who are taking the strides to make sure that there are more diverse voices, um, whether they're directors or writers or actors or whoever they are, I, I feel like that's very inspiring to me and what I look up to because I, I would also like to contribute to that and, and be a part of that change it, as I further along in my career. But growing up, yeah, I, um, yeah, not, not really to, to be honest. Um, I, I think that's why I, I so much resonate with, you know, I, I've always said I've looked up to my father because um, what he's been through and, and his stories he shares are, and honestly, both of my parents, are, they're incredible. And I feel like that's always been, what has given me my own drive yeah that's a that's a great point and um definitely it's uh you know sometimes people belittle representation a little bit and they kind of don't necessarily see just like the real strong aspect the like the impact that has on one singular person like um i I always make the point, especially because out of my family, I'm the one who pays attention to the films that are coming out a lot more. And so, like, I remember when I first saw, the, you know, in particular, particularly with my mom, you know, and my sister and brother, they all really do rejoice at seeing a great uh, AAPI representation yeah. and film. And uh, and I remember, like, when Minari came out, I was like, you guys have to watch this. And, uh, uh, you know, um, obviously, in this case, it was my mom, you know, telling us about your film. Um, have there been, I guess, uh, have there been examples, like, recently, I guess, that you can point to of where you think uh, you've seen this happening uh, that's impacted I mean, you? I, I, I'll start off by saying it with one of our executive producers, Daniel Day Kim. I mean, yeah, I, I feel so inspired by him. I, I feel so lucky to have him on our team because he he's he's not just an executive producer who slapped his name on his phone and you know, because a lot of EPs do that. He's he's not that at all. He's um and, and none of our EPs did that by the way but but I'm saying you know when you get like a, a celebrity sure. executive producer that, that can happen sometimes but for him he just has so much passion um for for AAPI representation and storytelling and that passion really comes through for everything that he's done with our film to try and elevate it as, as much as possible so yeah he, he certainly won um and and so many other like AEPI storytellers. I mean, Renee Tajima Pena, who who directed Who Killed Vincent Chin. Yeah, 
she's she's been one of our, our greatest champions my lovely producer diane kwan i mean it, it, these are all it, it, i feel very fortunate that a lot of these these people who inspire me are are my own peers and um and you know and and they're older than me and i only hope that 10 15 20 years from now god willing i'm i'm still doing this that i can pass on that baton and and be a beacon for other upcoming um, AAPI and, and Hispanic storytellers as well. Yeah, I, I did. I'm glad you mentioned Daniel Day Kim because I did have to ask him. It was, you know, naturally speaking, your eyes always kind of widen when you see a name that you recognize. And I remember uh, I, I left for my seat because I'm a big Lost fan. And uh, I, how did that end up happening? How did he end up getting involved as an EP? Um, you know, it, it actually, I, I've always, I've always admired Daniel's work and and his his way, um, his work. You know, not only as an actor, but as as someone who truly advocates for representation. Mm. And and so I'm like, man, I, I I bet if we could just get him to watch Bad Axe, this would be an, an easy sell for him because he he's so much about elevating um, Asian American voices. And and so it actually, it's funny. I, I mentioned Renee Tajima Pena, who directed Who Killed Vincent Chin. I, I actually called Renee and I was like, do you have any way of getting me in touch with, with, with Daniel Day Kim? And she was the one who connected the dots. We got him the film and it was like, it was an easy, it was an easy sell for him. Um, I think that like the day after he watched it, he, he came on board and he said, I'm, I'm in, like, I just want to help this story as, as much as I can. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really how, how it came about. It, it, it came about through, through Renee and, and, um, uh, these these two passionate people who wanted to elevate my family's story yeah um the uh so the what you just met who killed vincent, vincent chin is fantastic also I've, I've seen that and uh that's always been a story i've pointed to as well as one about how you know there's this we always point to middle america or uh, disaffected uh white you know, working class or blue collar people as sort of the source of what we oftentimes see as the most vitriolic version of hate in America. And um, obviously, I would never, I would never be so bold as to say we're going to solve racism here in this uh, podcast. But um, I, I guess my uh, uh, question is like, what's your own personal, you know, as as a resident of Bad Axe and um, you know, a person who's been on the receiving end, of course, like, what's your own personal takeaway? Why do you think, uh, in a few words, I guess, because uh, I know it's a huge topic, but why Why do you think that is? Why Why this is such uh, a place where people, particularly on the coasts, tend to associate that type of hatred with? Why do you think it comes from here, I well, guess? I, I think I think it particularly comes in these communities like Bad X is is really because of the lack of representation within those communities. So, you know, a, a town like Bad Axe, it is 97% white, um, uh, mainly conservative. Um, and those are the people that in, embody the, the community. So there's not a whole lot of people that are, are different from those individuals. And I think so much of, you know, what's what charges racism uh what it stems from is is fear of something different right that's right 
that's nothing new. That's that's what racism, you know, that's what it is at the end of the day. So I, I think that plays a factor in it as as opposed to, you know, in coastal cities like New York and LA, right? I mean, racism exists there. It, it absolutely does. But there's also a lot of di- diversity there as well, too, which yeah. I think because larger cities are more diversified, it allows individuals to be exposed to to cultures and and people that are different from them and being able to have um productive conversations and and i think that's you know as far and bad acts those conversations they're just not happening as much and it's not to say that communities like bad acts you know like they're they're made of racist people that's that's not true at all. Does racism exist in communities like Baddocks? Yeah, yes, absolutely. It would be mm-hmm. ignorant to say otherwise. But not everyone there is is racist. And people do have the ability to open up their hearts and their minds to a different experience. They just have to be exposed to them. And I think with this film, um, I've, I've seen firsthand how it has exposed and experienced different from individuals. We opened up in theaters over Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, that was that was Bad Axe's opening weekend, and it, it played for two weeks at the local theater. And so I was home during break and was able to come to a couple of, of actually went to all the Q&As on opening weekend. I would just pop in and um, and it was one of the greatest experiences because it was me being able to witness those conversations take place firsthand. Um, at, at every screening, there was there was always more than a few people there who would would so boldly raise their hand and, and I give them credit for this. And they would start off, you know, by saying something like, you know, look, I don't agree with your family's politics, but thank you for opening up my my eyes to an experience I didn't know even existed in our community. Because I, I think a lot of people got um, in our community were was offended when I put out this this fundraising trailer that right. began to expose the racism that existed in our community. And I think a lot of people thought that was fabricated or, or wasn't real. Um, and so when those same people had the chance to see the film and had the chance to walk in our shoes and empathize with us and just listen to our story, it, it opened up their hearts and their minds in, in a way where they were willing to accept that this exists in their community and have a conversation about it. They're, they're being exposed to something diverse and new and it's it's not something to be fearful of, but it, it's something that we need to talk about. So being able to witness those conversations take place firsthand and and bad acts, it it gave me a lot of hope and and in particular, like as a filmmaker, it allowed me to to see the true power of of cinema and what storytelling can do to connect us and allow people to just walk in our shoes and. Um, see bad acts through our eyes that's yeah um that that brings me to kind of uh just the last couple things i wanted to ask about um and i'm glad i'm actually glad you said that because i was going to ask a little bit about how bad acts 
uh, reacted to the film. So that's really, I guess, vindicating to hear, I'm sure. Uh, But um, obviously you have such a, you know, a well-defined and well thought out perspective while making the film was there, you know, as I said before, there's not a whole lot of editorializing on your part. Obviously, you know, your sister Jacqueline is a little more outspoken. Uh, some of other members of your family are a little less so. Uh, did you, was there a debate within you of how much uh, editorializing you wanted to do, how much you wanted to actually comment on uh, what you were filming? Or was there always kind of a, a stance of just kind of letting the the people in your film speak for themselves and letting the footage speak for itself yeah i i think it was a ladder and and you know there be there comes a point where um in the edit where i had to i had to find a way to include myself and my voice in it that was never i think an intention of mine because like you know, I, I kind of cringe sometimes at some documentaries where the <laughs> actor becomes part of the story and they end up taking over and then it just, you know. I know exactly it, who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I lose sight of what, of what the story is supposed to be. And I didn't want that, but I, I learned in the edit that when you're making something so personal, um, it had it had to myself had to be included because it just gives so much intention to the film as to why I'm even filming my family and why I, I'm making the story. So I, I wanted to be really conscious of how I did that. And uh for me, I I, I feel like I, I did the perfect balance of it of um including my voice and myself just enough for to give context and to give intention to the story. But I really did want you know, I didn't want it to be about me and only my experiences. I wanted it to be about the entire family. So I, I, I wanted everyone to be able to speak for themselves. I mean, I, that kind of, I mean, we're kind of at the end here. Uh, I do want to say, obviously, I've tried to avoid spoiling a whole lot of the movie because I think everybody should go see it. Um, the last uh, thing I wanted to ask about a little, and I appreciate you really kind of delving into those deeper topics, um as a you know a young filmmaker with a wide variety of inspirations do you have an idea of a a type of movie you'd like to make one day is there a specific form or specific genre in your head of something you've always planned on doing I I love all types of films and I think I want to make all types of films um like I mentioned you know the the stories of the Cambodian people and, and my family there's still many more of those I I want to explore um, but having said that, you know, I, I love, you know, I love everything from stoner comedies to, like, <laughs> uh, you know, like Seth Rogen is also a huge in- inspiration yeah. myself and, and his movies are, um, I, I, and, but also, you know, I, I love like the, the very, uh, dr- dramatized stories that really, you know, pull on, on the heartstrings. So, I I hope to do a lot in my career. I, as far as what I'll be focusing on next, you know, I've I've been developing another um, documentary about specifically my family's journey from seventy five to seventy nine as they were surviving the genocide and escaping the killing fields. I hope that's one I get oh, to do wow. next. Um, but you know, I I hope I have a long career ahead of me where I can explore you know some of those other fun ideas and. And stuff that you know, me and my friends always talk about making, and 
you know, it, it, I, I think I'm, I'm open to, to a lot of things, but I think at the end of the day though, all the stories have to come from a, a personal place in my heart, regardless of whatever genre or, or type of film it is. Like, I think that's something I'm learning about myself is that for me, um, I, I want to be a director who, who really focuses on, on personal stories. Yeah, I I know my mom in particular is going to be very happy to hear about uh, the potential making further films about your family and your and you know and, uh, your dad's story from Cambodia. She 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 told me that uh, she was you know she fell in love with your family and was like I, I uh, she said like oh I feel like I know them. She was texting me yesterday saying we have to plan a trip to go eat at Rachel's and uh, and all this stuff and. Um, uh, Obviously, yeah, the, the film's so moving in that way, and obviously, I'm you know excited to see whatever you do next. Uh, and we were all really moved by the film, and I've just been uh, singing its praises ever since I saw it in the theater that day. So uh, I just uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for making the movie, and I uh, and thank you so much for your time. It's been really great. Oh, thank you, thank you for for really uh, good questions. It's it's refreshing when an interview feels feels new and. Um feels more like a, a dialogue instead of just yeah. answering the same questions over. And over. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, and obviously I don't know if you're superstitious, but I'd, whatever is the non-superstitious way to say good luck with the rest of the um, award season. Thank you. I, whatever happens is, is, is going to happen. You know, we're doing all we can, but I'm, I'm happy to have, have made it this far in the journey. All right. Yeah, I'm glad for you. And uh, I know we, we were over your time now, so I'll let you get some rest before you have to move on to your next interview. So you have a great day. Thanks, Johnny. All right, everybody, that wraps up yet another episode of We Are Movies. Thank you so much for listening. I can't thank David enough for lighting his time and coming on and uh, just having a widespread conversation about all of these topics relating to his film. Uh, speaking of which, if you haven't seen Bad Axe, uh, I highly recommend it, obviously. Um, you can find it to rent pretty much any website that uh, rents movies. It's like $6 on every site I've seen. It's definitely worth your time and your money. So please go support the film if you can. Um, also go eat at Rachel's, uh, the restaurant in Bad Axe. Um, I'm planning, uh, probably going on a family trip up there pretty soon as well. And, uh, speaking of family, I also want to offer some words to my dad. For some reason, I kind of, I forgot to mention him when I was talking about, uh, how much the movie affected my family, but, uh, my dad did see the film and he was very moved by it as well. So dad, if you're listening, I, I did not forget about you. I promise. And, um, also if you're a fan of the podcast and you haven't yet, you can follow us on, uh, Instagram and Twitter at we are movies pod. If you want to get updates on new episodes, you can also, um, like the Facebook page, We Are Movies. You can also follow me on Instagram at Johnny Mockney Comedy, and you can also follow me on Letterboxd at Johnny Mockney. That is all I have for you today. I'll be back with you very soon. As I teased before, uh, at the end of the month, you will be getting a best of the year episode uh, with Indegua and Aiden as well. So stay tuned for that. And until then, um, just uh, be good to yourself and take care. Bye-bye.